Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And, Wes, we are one day closer to the end of the 2018 football season for the Green Bay Packers. Sunday, noon central time, kickoff at Lambeau Field against NFC North rival Detroit. And if there's one aspect from the Packers' victory against the Jets that perhaps we didn't explore enough when we were recapping that game, we've talked a lot during the course of the season about the moments that Marquez Valdez-Scantling has had, those impact moments in games for a rookie receiver. Right. Equinemia St. Brown has had some as well. I'm not sure if there was a game where both of those rookies in the same game had, you know, not just a statistical, but also a visible on-field impact in, in what was going on. It's a potentially a really good sign here for the Packers if these two rookies can finish the season that way, obviously going forward into year two. Yeah, and it's huge for them right now to be able to get that kind of production because, as you said, Mike, we saw Marcos Valdez-Scantling kind of get his shot earlier this season. Then Equinemia St. Brown kind of got his opportunity. But you really haven't seen them work in tandem in terms of just really solid production, and it made for an historic week. You, you wrote a great story on Packers.com looking over all the different records and things that guys are chasing and, and different types of status marks. But that game against the Jets, unbeknownst to me until afterwards, was that the first time in franchise history you had five different receivers catch at least 60 yards worth of passes. Yeah. And Equinemia St. Brown, it's ter- I feel terrible for him from a physical perspective that he ended up sustaining the concussion. Yeah, that was really unfortunate. But from a professional standpoint, five catches for 94 yards, he was on – the verge of having a really big football game when he had to exit if he was able to play that out the last quarter and a half and then from Valdez Scantling's perspective I touched on this in inbox uh, for Thursday in that there's been some stuff made out of you know midseason lulls and those sort of things the facts remain what they are Mike the f- mm-hmm. this guy has over 500 yards receiving he's averaging over 15 yards per catch and he's a rookie I mean, you look at the conversation, and your story also outlined it. Compare him to Christian Kirk and some of these other young receivers in the league. Valdez Scantling's up there with all of them. It's not easy to come in and be an impact player to be putting up those kind of yards as a rookie receiver in the NFL. The statistics bear that out. But Valdez Scantling has found a way to be able to make those impact plays right here in year one. Yeah, and it's interesting when you look back at that Jets game, you mentioned the five catches for 94 yards for St. Brown. That was five catches on five targets. He had the ball thrown to him five times, made the play every time. Valdez Scantling, his receiving yards was at 78? Uh, five for 75. 75, yeah, yeah, 75 yards receiving, but also had a couple of key defensive pass interference he penalties did. that he drew where if that doesn't happen, he's potentially got a 100-yard game uh, when you factor that in. And you mentioned it. With regards to MVS, he's – is it? I'm trying to remember now if it's fifth or sixth in sixth the league. Sixth right now, trying sixth, to be fifth. Yeah, sixth in the league amongst rookie wide receivers in terms of yardage right now. And if you actually just go by receivers, he'd be fifth because one of those five guys in front of him is Saquon Barkley, the running back for the New York Giants, who's piled up a bunch of receiving yards. But this is the other thing that's interesting, Wes. 538 yards right now for MVS. Not only is that the most yards receiving by a rookie receiver with Aaron Rodgers. He surpassed Devontae Adams' total in the mid-400s from 2014. But I went back and looked through the entire Rodgers and Favre era 
only two rookie receivers, both of them in Brett Favre's final two years in Green Bay, surpassed 600 yards receiving as rookies. Greg Jennings in 2006, James Jones with the record in terms of this context, 676 in 2007. So yes, there were there was a stretch in the middle or kind of towards the back half of the season where EQ St. Brown kind of came on and MVS kind of fell back in terms of the statistical impact. But over the over the whole, when you look at the whole thing, what MVS has done this year is nothing to sneeze at. You know, and you look at these all these measurables and numbers and 40 times coming out of the combine, and, and that's all well and good, but you have to put it to use. And I think the thing, as impressive as that is to be able to have production, have yards, have catches, even have a few touchdowns, it's the fact that both of them are above 15 yards per catch. That's indicating that they're making big plays. And you're right. I mean, route running, all the small things are important. I mean, you know, you have to be able to do that to function in this offense. But let's be honest, Mike, the reason why Brian Gutekunst used these draft picks on these guys, the reason they brought them in on day three to take a flyer, I think you would call them, on some later on draft picks, is because of the home run potential there, because of what they do that potentially with some coaching can be rounded out and make a complete receiver. These guys have things you can't coach. And St. Brown, uh, specifically to touch on him, a six-round draft pick, maybe came out a year early, well, did come out a year early, but maybe a year too early out of Notre Dame, you know, what, what he could have potentially did with the success that they've had this season. Yeah. But he has looked the part, and what impresses me is you can use him as a slot, you can use him on the boundary, and he finds ways to still make plays. And his catch radius, Michael, how many times have you and I seen it throughout the course of the season? A finger, uh, tiptoe type catches, just plays that are instinctive, mm-hmm. that you cannot coach, and that, that for a six-round draft pick, that's what's impressed me. Size, speed, everything you look for. You get them coached up here in the next two or three years, and Aaron Rodgers has some legitimate weapons to work with for the foreseeable future. Yeah, well, over the last couple of years, the Packers have needed to restock for the future at the skill positions around Aaron Rodgers. We saw two years ago in the draft, they took a fourth-round, fifth-round, and seventh-round pick, three guys on the third day at running back. Unfortunately for Devontae Mays, the seventh-round pick, some injuries going into his second year, things didn't work out. But the fourth-rounder and the fifth-rounder, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, we've talked plenty about them. It turned out kind of using a similar strategy in this last draft. You use a fourth-round, fifth-round, and sixth-round pick on Moore and MVS and EQ. And now with Jamon Moore, a lot of fans are asking, well, what's the deal with him? He was the first one they picked out of the three. You know, what's going on there? Okay, so the other guys moved ahead of him on the depth chart, you know. There are a lot of fans who are ready to just write off Jamon Moore and say, well, this guy's obviously not going to make it. I'm not I'm not going to do that right away. I mean, look, the fumble last week on the kickoff return, unfortunate. But I'll remember this about Jamon Moore. He had a couple of really bad drop passes in the preseason this year, and he really had to buckle down. And then he came back the very next preseason game. He dealt with that adversity. He made some big plays for the Packers, and he showed – that he can play in the NFL. Now he's got another pretty significant moment of adversity he has to deal with. These guys don't get this far, Wes, without being able to handle that kind of stuff. And yes, some will handle it better than others. But that being said, anybody who's writing off Jamon Moore right now just because MVS and EQ have moved ahead of him on the depth chart this rookie season, that's a potentially fatal mistake. I'm glad you set this up for me, Michael, because... <laughs> 
I and mean, we didn't you just plan threw, this. This truly is unscripted. You hung the curveball over the plate <laughs> okay. here, and now I'm ready to take it to opposite field. Not that you threw a bad pitch, just you set me up well here. Okay. I want to take you back to 2017. Do you remember that year? Uh, very well. Okay. Yeah. The Green Bay Packers opened the season against the Seattle Seahawks. Mike Spofford, the Packers had four running backs on the roster for that game, the 53-man roster. Jamal Williams, Devontae Mays, Aaron Ripkowski, and Aaron Jones. Which one of those three was in? Which one of those four was inactive for that game? Yeah, it was Aaron. Jones. It was Aaron Jones yeah. was inactive. First Devontae game, Mays first game of up. his rookie season. Yep. First game of his rookie season, and he was inactive. He was at the bottom of the depth chart. The fifth round pick was sitting behind the seventh round pick in week one, and there were questions. When you draft that many running backs, there's questions about, okay, how are you going to be able to, to make all this work? Right. Well, here's the reality. The players have to figure it out. The coaches have to figure it out, too. Mm -hmm. You didn't know what Aaron Jones could do until injuries happened, opportunity happened, and he ends up having a big performance. That's the way this game works. Nothing is absolute. As much as we love to talk about Madden, and you you know you you log you on to your you know you get you get your franchise mode up. I know you're a big fan of it. You get your franchise <laughs> mode up. You pick your team and you get your roster right. And everybody has an overall ranking. You think they got that in the NFL? No, that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way. And what one team might think of one player might be different than what another team thinks about them. So. Yeah. For getting back to your original point with Jamon Moore, we've seen it time and time again, man. There's there's young guys that come in, some guys it clicks. There's your Greg Jennings, there's your James Jones that just jump off the board and here they are, they're superstars. Yeah. But there's also Jordy Nelsons. There's also these other guys that it takes them a few years to figure out what they are and what they're going to be in this league. Antonio Freeman had eight catches for 106 yards as a rookie in yeah. 1995. Yeah. That was one stat I saw when I was looking back through the rookie receivers in the Favre. Rogers era. It's easy to forget and, that kind of stuff. And what did Donald Driver? Donald Driver was a seventh round pick, but what did he have? It was like three catches his first two, yeah. three years, wasn't it? I yeah, mean, minimal. This, it's the way the game works, and you don't know until you get your opportunities. The big thing for Jamon Moore this offseason, mini camps, OTAs, training camp, is making that next step and showing the Packers, you know, this is a fifth round pick. This is why you took me, and this is the potential that I have at this position. Yeah, and I'll make another point along these lines, too. I mentioned, obviously, James Jones. 676 yards in 2007, the most receiving yards by a rookie in the Favre-Rogers era. But then, even after Jones's career got going for a couple years, he went through a bout with the drops. Yeah. You know, he wasn't as steady with his hands and everything. But then, you get into 2012, when he, what was it, 14 touchdowns led the league, yeah. right? something yeah. like that. He became one of the most sure-handed guys on the entire roster when in the Super Bowl season of 2010, there were some big drop passes that he was taking a lot of criticism for. So the, these guys, they're, they're, they're going to go through their ups and downs. And yes, maybe for some guys it doesn't work out. Other guys will you know, eventually take off and, and maybe never have a, a dip or a lull in their career. But um I've just learned in my time in this league, never be too quick to judge. Well, and the other thing is, too, I'm sure if you ask James Jones now, he much rather would have liked to have had those drops issues in 2007 than he did in 2010, a contract year. Right. I mean, it, it's it's the way the game is played. Absolutely. So, I mean, uh, it's, it's all about timing, and, and it's about a contract progression. I think the, getting back to the, the overlying point that we're trying to make in this conversation you drafted three receivers. They're all on the roster. They're all still in play. You got Jake Kumro too, into that. I mean, 
there is some some bright spots there for the Packers as they move to the future with this receiving core. Yeah, the future of this is going to be really interesting. Um, but Wes, the powerful noise-canceling technology that helps NFL coaches block out 80,000 screaming fans can get you closer to the music you love. Learn more at www.bose.com slash Packers. Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. And at home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, another note on the receivers, the one that everybody's talking about here heading into this final game, Devontae Adams. Oh, I thought you were going to say Alan Lazard. <laughs> well, we'll see if uh, the uh, the Iowa State product. <laughs> we we joke about Alan Lazard because there are a handful of uh, Iowa State alums <laughs> in the building who were very excited when the Packers signed he's the, the former he's the first, Cyclone receiver. He's the first since Wallace, right? Seneca Wallace, I think, on this roster. Just yes, from uh, from of, Iowa State, yeah. I believe that's correct. Yeah. yeah so. But go ahead, get back to your yeah. point. So on there's always Adams. some enthusiasm in the building when an Iowa State player arrives. <laughs> but Devonte Adams. He has 111 receptions this this season. The franchise record for one year is 112, Sterling Sharp in 1993. So two catches to get that. He also needs 134 yards to beat Jordy Nelson's single-season record from 2014 of 1,519. Nelson, the only receiver in the history of the Packers to post a 1,500-yard season. How do you see this playing out? Now, Devontae Adams missed practice on Wednesday, but he did talk to reporters and sounded pretty optimistic that he was going to play. He just got kind of a, an awkward tackle. It was early in the, the Jets game, actually. He ended up getting 11 catches. He said it was the second catch Seven. of the game. Yeah. Um, that, oh, it was 11. My God. Yeah, yeah 71 yards. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, had, he had 11 catches yeah. there. He went from 100 to 111. But he said on the second catch, uh, the defender tackled him a little awkwardly, landed on his knee, and and uh, it got a little stiff and sore after the game. So he's being a little cautious so far in practice this week. Sounds like he's going to play. I'm sure he wants to play and take a shot at those records. What do you think? How do you see this playing out? Yeah, it's a tough one to figure out as far as projecting. I mean, I have about, I don't know, somewhere between three and 4,000 different things in my job description. But it happens to be that physician is not one of them right now. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what, what Devontae Adams is going through. Knee injuries are so they're tricky because of the nature of the position. Not to diminish anything on the offensive line, they got to get back in their backpedal or or the linebackers. It's 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 tough, but it's all about explosiveness. Now, I think the biggest thing for Devonte Adams that him and Pat McKenzie, the training staffs, gonna have to figure out is is it is there any danger long term? Yeah. Uh, if they feel like there isn't, I think you're gonna see him out there, and I think you're gonna see him make a run at this thing. Uh, again, that's as we stand here on Thursday before the padded practice. But what impresses me the most about Adams is the fact that, as you said, he's 134 yards away. He's two catches away uh, from history. And he was talking at his locker on Wednesday mm -hmm. and sort of you know, mentioning how some of these things happen when you least expect it. Now, he's not saying that he didn't go into the season with high, uh, with high goals for himself. We both talked to him this offseason. He set the bar incredibly high yeah he threw that tweet out there in the offseason about 20 touchdowns yeah but, you know which which generated a lot of attention but but it's it, it's it was in in the spirit of hey why not yeah and and the, I think when you see now 
as he said, the reason he said those words was he never went out this year seeing, okay, I'm going to beat Jordy's record. <laughs> uh, I'm going to aim for 120 catches. He wanted to challenge himself to be better, be better than the last season, be better than the last time he played the Lions. If he does that again, nine catches for 140 yards, he'll write his way into the history books. But the biggest thing for Devontae Adams, as he said, is he would trade it all in for a winning record to be to be in the playoffs. Yeah, to have a shot. And, you know, for a guy that just had the Brinks truck back up for him and, you know, is is considered one of the top receivers in the league, being paid like one of the top receivers in the league, and to perform like one of the top receivers to the league, there's no hype with this guy. Yeah. He is what he is. He plays how he plays. And he's only 26 years old, Mike. You and I have covered this league for a long time. Where was Jordy Nelson at at 26? Where was Greg Jennings at at 26? Jennings had some good seasons, but I don't know if anyone's been at as advanced right now is where Adams is. And as Aaron Rodgers alluded to, too, the kid's only getting better. Yeah, and and that's what uh, Adams himself, you can almost sense when he talks to reporters. He's He's very measured very humble yet always confident but you can almost sense how excited he is for his own future because he knows his quarterback believes in him but that his quarterback also thinks there's bigger and better things to come aside from these potential franchise records he's going for now that'll be uh that'll be fun to think about and talk about here going forward and honestly michael the fact that he is going to end up with at least 111 catches at least 1300 yards at least 12 touchdowns this guy is still only thinking about, okay, how can I top that? Yeah. There's no sustainability in his mindset. It's about what can I do to get better? And honestly, that's what made him the type of receiver he was at Fresno State, having two of the most impressive college seasons I think you're going to see for FBS football. It's what made him a second-round draft pick, and it's what's making him one of the top receivers in this league. I mean, this is just the beginning, too. I mean, if he can stay healthy – there, you know, the sky is the limit for that guy. Yeah. Well, we've got one more show to go this week. We will get to keys to victory for the Packers over the Lions on tomorrow's show. But for now, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.